Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. So, beginning of Isaiah, chapter 40, is kind of paired with the beginning of Mark in some ways. Now, what Mark neglects to tell us is, he says this is written in the book of Isaiah, prophet from Isaiah, and he, and he quotes it, and then he goes to Malachi. And there's a, in, in the second half of that quotation, it all looks like it's coming from Isaiah, it actually comes from, from Malachi. But the idea is here that Mark starts out by saying, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus. And it starts with somebody else. <laughs> and Isaiah, God kind of spoke through the prophet Isaiah and said, hey, do you think this is all about you? You guys are in exile, and I'm going to bring you out. But here's the deal. There is the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Listen to me. It's this kind of picture of the crazy one, right? There's nobody ever normal out in the wilderness, right? It's not where you find civilization. It's not where you find um, you know, the sophistication of society. You know, out in the wilderness, you kind of expect the wild hair, the long beard, the person trying to live off the grid, right? And here is this guy who is doing that, and people are coming out of the city in droves to see see this one that was prophesied, and it was John. We have now affectionately called him John the Baptist because that's what he was doing. He was taking people and dunking them in the river. I don't know. It got a bad rap back in the 80s. I don't know if any of you guys ever saw the the film, The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, But there's a a place in there where uh, John is doing this baptizing. Uh, And it kind of flashes back and forth in Jesus' mind. Kind of the picture of the movie is Jesus is hanging on the cross. And it's flashing back and forth. Uh, and Martin Scorsese really did a good job of kind of ca- capturing the duality of Christ. That he was fully God, but he also was fully human. And so we hear and read that Jesus was tempted in the desert, but oftentimes we really sugarcoat that, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like he was tempted, but he wasn't really tempted. And if that's the case, then it's not really temptation, right? When I was a kid, now my, my taste buds have changed, but when I was a kid, nobody could tempt me with collard greens, wasn't tempting. Yeah, here, here's some collard greens. Okay, bud, thanks. That ain't happening. That's not a temptation for me, right? But they busted out some ice cream, and that hasn't changed. Those taste buds have stayed the exact same. Yeah, that'd be tempting, right? And so Christ was, if we believe Scripture and said he was tempted, it was something that there was a part of him that wanted. That was the, hu- the human part. But he was fully God. He resisted it, right? We don't always have that. Sometimes we do. Sometimes humanity takes over and we don't. And that was the miracle of who Jesus was. And so Mark Scorsese kind of captures this in this movie. Now, I'm not saying it's a Christian film by any any stretch, but he did a good job of kind of capturing this duality. And there's this one scene where he flashes back on his John at the river. And it was a little bit different than I always pictured because I always pictured John in a deep river dunking people. And... This was more of a shallow river, and so it was a little bit different. But there was 
the scene was just people everywhere, and there was campfires, and they're in the water, and John's kind of doing it. But it was like the idea was that it just didn't cease. Like people just kept coming all hours of the day and night. There were campfires on the on the on the banks of the river, and there were people everywhere, and it was just kind of this wild scene. I never really kind of considered it like that. But in a lot of ways, this is what John was doing. And the interesting thing was, John's message wasn't a message. It was a message of hope, but it wasn't what they, what we kind of think of, right? Sometimes when we think of the big grand draw for people to come into church, it's really the easy message, right? It's the, hey, I want to feel good about myself. I want this thing for my life that I want to be able to be told, hey, you're doing things really good. Everything's going well. Like, that's what we want. And John was like, you're not doing well. You've got sin in your life, and you need to repent. And guess what? It's that repentance is what's going to lead you to salvation. And that was John's message. And he didn't sugarcoat it. And yet people were flocking to that. They thought John was what? The Messiah, right? It was why John had to address this thing and said, hey, I'm not worthy to untie the sandals of the one who is the Messiah. And so that's kind of this story. Mark starts out with this kind of breathless wake-up call. Over the last... I don't know, probably two months. I haven't really slept super great. Some nights I do, some nights I don't. And there's nights where I find myself waking up at like, I don't know, 3 in the morning, 2.33 in the morning, and then just not being able to fall back asleep. But for whatever reason, about 30 or 40 minutes before my alarm goes off, I start to doze off, finally catching some sleep. And then the alarm goes off and you're, it just kind of startles you, right? And that's kind of how John starts this thing out. Except for this is coming from a person, so it's not really like an alarm that I set myself, but it would be more like if my kid came and splashed water in my face, Papa, I'm ready to go. It's time to leave. You're still asleep. Oh, my goodness, jump up. And that is what Mark, that's how Mark starts out. And he basically is starting out with his story starting. <laughs> Christ is coming, the Messiah, the promised one is coming. Many have been looking for a sign from God at that point, right? They've been looking for this Messiah. They told stories. They got together at all the holidays that were instituted, and they would tell these stories of God's faithfulness and how God was ultimately going to redeem them. Many had wanted the Messiah to lead them against the Romans, right? They were, they were cap, captive by the Romans. Many wanted the Messiah to come and lead them against the Romans, They weren't anticipating a prophet telling them to repent. It was a wake up. Because Mark's saying, hey, the Passover is about to be playing out again. Because what they did believe was that Jesus was coming to redo the Exodus story. They thought in their brains, and this is what they would get together and tell at Passover, the story of God leading them out of Egypt, the Exodus story. And they said, that's going to happen again, that God is going to come. He's going to lead us out against all that oppresses us. And he's going to live with us again. Because what happened during the Exodus story, right? God led them out of Egypt. 
he was with them, right? How was he with them? The pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. And that was the presence of God with them, leading them exactly where they needed to go. And they said, this is what is going to happen again, that God is going to come. He's going to be with us. He's going to lead us out against all that oppresses us. We'll be his people, and he will be our God. And that will be how this happens. So we're waiting for that day. We can't wait for that day. In the original story, it was that pillar and fire, but th- that cloud and that fire, but this time it was very similar, but it was different in a way that none of them even imagined. And Mark just starts his gospel out right away by saying, God is going to be with you. God's going to be with you in the power of the Holy Spirit that the Messiah is going to baptize you with. And the Spirit for them would be everything. It would be the thing that led them. It would be, for the believer, the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. It would be that thing that would guide us and tell us, yes, this is the next step to take if we were listening and tuned in to the Spirit. And that's why John said, I'm baptizing with water, but that really doesn't do anything. That's symbolic. He's going to baptize you with the Spirit that is going to be with you, God's presence in your life every single day. The main thing that Mark gets us to do in this opening passage is a sense of shock of what God was going to do. The interesting thing for us is that we kind of It's not shocking anymore, right? It's what we've known. And so we need the, the, um, the witness of the people who were originally there to be able to say, hey, this is different. This wasn't what we were expecting. This was completely, uh, it wasn't the antithesis of what we thought would happen, but it certainly what, wasn't what we thought would happen. We were expecting revolution. We got revolution. It was a revolution against our sin, that that was the oppression that was greater than anything else. That was the freedom from oppression that we needed. And he gives us the answer to that right at the beginning. He starts out, if you have an NIV translation, the way it's translated is, This is the beginning of the good news about the Messiah. This is the beginning of good news about Jesus Christ. This is the good news. That he came. He came to dwell with us. And then even when he left us personally, he left his spirit with us that would still be with us to guide us and to show us the way to go. In the modern evangelical church, we have oftentimes really mismanaged that. Uh, The idea that the Holy Spirit exists for us because we've either gone way too far on one side or the other in a lot of of ways. Not not everybody in every situation, but a lot of ways we really overemphasize that and kind of create our own little, or we've 
Or because of that, some people, we've gone the other direction and we've de-emphasized it. And said, well, that was what God did then. But the truth and the good news of the gospel, according to what Mark is saying, because Mark doesn't dwell on the birth story. And we are here at Christmas and we want the birth story, right? Like that's the kind of thing that we want. It makes us feel good. We're happy. We like it. It gives us the warm fuzzies. We sing songs about it, but the truth is the reason that that even matters for us is what happened at the end of Jesus' physical life, right? What happened at the end of his time here on earth was that he died for our sins and then about a month and a half later rose but said, don't worry, I'm sending part of me to stay with you guys and to still lead you and guide you in all that you do. And that was good news. It was what the Israelites were wanting and looking for. Is what they were telling stories about for years and years and years. And Mark said, now it has come in the person of Jesus in the form of a little baby who grew up and became the Savior of us by leading us against the oppression that really was destroying us. And it wasn't the Roman Empire. It wasn't the Babylonian Empire. It wasn't the U.S. government. It wasn't communism. It wasn't socialism. It wasn't anything other than our sin. And that is what Christ came to redeem us from. To His Holy Spirit leads us in the path that leads us away from sin. And a lot of times we want to ignore that in those moments of temptation when, unlike Christ, we fall into them. And so for that, we needed the death of Jesus that would forgive us for those moments. And we needed the spirit of Jesus to lead us to places where we knew right from wrong, where we knew what to do and what not to do, where we knew how to treat people and what, how we shouldn't treat people. This morning, as we gathered just uh, Heather and Willie and James and I, and we were reading through, and if you have it, you may have read it already this morning. If you didn't, if you have one, you can go home and read it. But the new um, Daily Bread is out. So if you didn't get one, they're back there. If you're at home and you didn't get one, I'll be happy to mail it to you, or you can stop by the building. But the one today was talking about this idea of loving Christ was really modeled or proved by our obedience to what he called us to do. And for the believer, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us and is constantly guiding us to that place to know what is right to do. The Holy Spirit is not there so that we fall on the ground and laugh and be able to pass the bucket and make a million dollars. It also is non-existent only in the Bible times. It is with us present daily, guiding us, showing us, moving us, convicting us. It is God with us. Jesus was God in flesh with us, humanity, for about 30-some-odd years. The Holy Spirit has been God with us in humanity for thousands of years. And the the really interesting thing, last week I told you guys the story about... uh, a heresy that sprung out of Christianity where they basically wanted to say that God, that Jesus was created by God and so therefore he wasn't eternal or co-eternal with God. He was just, he was now God, but he wasn't 
God always. He was created by God, and so that was a little different. And the, to, you know, the church came together and said, no, that's not right. We believe that God is eternal, that, the whole, that Jesus was eternal with God. The other thing they put in there is they talked about the Holy Spirit also being eternal with God, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son together is glorified, that it is all the same thing. And so there is no separation of Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father. I mean, we like to do it because that's how our brains can understand this, but it is fully God in all of that. And so we have God with us daily. And Mark starts out and says, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. It isn't just that Jesus came. That is good news. He came and died to forgive our sins. So that when we fall into that temptation, Jesus looks at us and sees perfection as a son. But it also is God with us in that we now have the Holy Spirit who dwells with us, that guides us, that shows us, that leads us to the place that God would have us to be led. The main thing that Mark gets in the opening passage is a sense of shock that God was doing something new. Sometimes if you're... And so N.T. Wright kind of uh, was... As he talked about this scripture, he kind of said it in this way. Sometimes if you're sick and unable to sleep much, the alarm clock goes off. Oh, excuse me. Uh, sometimes the night... So if you're, let me start over because I, I skipped the line. If you're sick and unable to sleep much, sometimes the night seems to go on forever. But then just when you're dozing a bit, suddenly the alarm clock goes off and it really is morning. That's the mood here in Mark 1. The people of God, the Israelites, found themselves dozing a little bit. They were looking for something different. It raises the question for us too today is where are we asleep? In our churches, in our communities, in our personal life. And what might it take for us to wake up? That the prayer would be that God, would you wake us up to where we are asleep, that we may rise and correct the path that we've been on. That was what Mark was saying. This is the good news about the gospel of Jesus. Here's one of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and his cry was, come and repent. Wake up. He's coming. There's a moniker or a saying if in the UK the idea was that they knew the queen was coming. They were tidying everything up, painting everything, making things look good, making things look fresh. And that is what Mark is saying. Someone even better than that is here. The creator of all the universe is with us. He has come to us. Wake up. Tidy your life. Repent. Turn away from what it is that you are doing because God is here with us. He is coming. That is the anticipation that we sit in in Advent is that God is coming. Of course, for us, celebrating Advent, he has come. But as we remember this calendar year, that is what it is. It's a time of preparation and expectation. Expectation that God is now coming to us and preparation, preparing our lives for that. So this week, as you read Scripture before you do anything else and light a candle... Remember that God has come to us already. He has come to us to forgive us of all those times that we were imperfect and fell to temptation. 
He came to us to live a life that we couldn't live, to die a death that was certainly destined for us so that we could look perfect in his Father's eyes. God has also come to us in the form of the Holy Spirit to lead us daily and to guide us and to show us what it is that we must do. And a good question to ask this week is, God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, am I asleep in some area of my life that you want to wake me up to? And how can I respond? Because God will answer that prayer and that question. So this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to say those words of the Nicene Creed again after we pray. Um. We're going to pray. We're going to pray to the one who was sent to be the light in the darkness. And there is certainly darkness all around us. And he was the light. Our job is to reflect that light. To let that light so shine through us that people see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And Christmas season is a great time for that. There is lots of need. And we're... Our awareness is heightened to it at Christmas time. It's also good to remember this message on February the 4th when it's not Christmas time because a need is still there. It is great. And the only answer for those needs is Jesus. We have the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And it is, it is that He came to forgive us of sins. And He did not leave us alone, but He left His Spirit with us. So this morning, let's pray. Jesus, light of our world, light to our lives, we thank you. We thank you for all the things that we talked about this morning. We thank you for giving us hope at a time when a lot of people are searching for hope. We have that. We thank you that you've provided. We thank you that you have shined your light on our lives, revealed to us where there was darkness, and drove that out. God, may we be light to others. Would you be light to others through us? Would you wake us to places in our life where we're sleeping? you continue to reveal to us through your Holy Spirit. We love you, God. We are so thankful that we are called children of God, that we get to be people who can tell this amazing story. God, if this story has become stale to us, would you make it amazing to us again this, this Christmas season, we pray. We love you, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.